Welcome to the Cancer Cross Orange Podcast. This is Sean, and this is episode 78. I'm joined today by Johnny Murray, and we're just going to get into a good chat about things. And this is a Halloween spooky special. As it were, welcome, sir. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Yes, I'm very excited to talk about the Halloween special that we're having for cans across the world. Actually, I don't know, thinking about it, the across the world thing, my current Instagram, I'm doing um, th- uh, around the world in 31 horror films. So oh, yeah. I'm cur- currently, what day is today? 21st. I'm currently in uh, Chile for uh, the Wolf House. So I'm doing, I started in Ireland and then I've gone across over the 21 days. So it's a different, well, it's not a different country every day because I was in Australia for five days, but because it's so big, I was kind of doing it continent by continent. So so I've been doing that. It's an interesting connection. I shouldn't think about that. So if you follow me on Instagram, but I am private, so don't actually try to follow me on Instagram, but it's there. (laughs) Uh, What was the Southern Ireland one? Was it Grabbers by any chance? No, Grabbers I keep for uh, Paddy's Day lists. No, the Irish one was um, the Hallow. Ah, so okay. have you seen the Hallow? It's on Netflix, I think. Grammar's in one of those. Is that the one? No, that was Shrimps, wasn't it? Oh yeah, uh, the one, the forest one. That was pretty good as well. <laughs> it, 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 the Shrimps in years. That's what two thousand Shrimps, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the Hallow is about um, effectively like a haunted tree. It's it's kind of um, like uh, a tree that uh, underneath it is a large cave. It's a mix of I don't mix too much aware that, it, but it's basically a mix of like a changeling story plus um, a cursed woodland that exists in the rural outskirts of Ireland. Um, right, it's not a great. Irish horror is a bit of a bit of a shallow bag at the moment. There's a few gems. I like say Grabbers is a good one, and um, uh, the Hole in the Ground is also a good one. That's on Netflix. Oh yeah, it's a it's a changeling one. Um, <clears throat> but it's a, sorry. Um, is that the, the old uh, the old yeah. Corona? It's the old bit. <laughs> It can't just, just, you know, it's it, home is where the heart is for the COVID. Uh, yeah, um, Hole in the Ground is a good one. Um, there's actually a friend of mine when I was working in Urban, whatever, 10 years ago, um, her boyfriend, I think now her husband, maybe, he pitched a good idea for a, a Belfast horror, which was um, the mummy in the Ulster Museum comes alive and then terrorizes students of the Holy Lands. Oh yeah, that'd so be great actually. I th- and it's weird to me that students haven't made that yet. Like it's, it was like a, you know, in the, in the final year, film students make a film, and it's um, it seems that that would have been a good story. But I suppose it's yeah. somewhat hard to do, but no, not even that hard to do really. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's like a lot of missed opportunities, like uh, like Lockdarg, um, below Lockdarg is supposedly like a gateway to hell. Yes. Um, yes. So which is pretty insane, and nobody's made a film about it yet. There's an obscene amount of stuff in Ireland that no one's really like latched onto, even to the point of uh, like there's there's films that are shot here but they're not set here. But like I mean, even like you know like zombies in the bog, like you know some a ghost in the boglands in Ireland, or um, uh, the King Balor and his eye, like the giants and so on, like uh, or even the uh, the Lost City in Loch. Oh, what's the big one where, like, Antrim is near? Like the big uh, lock in the middle of Northern Ireland. Loch Gill? No. Uh, lock. Can't remember. <laughs> the one where Antrim is on the coast of, but, like, um, they. Like, there's meant to be, like, a hidden city underneath that, like, an, almost like an Irish Atlantis underneath that. And then all these, all these things that no one really. Like, there's a lot of zombie films made in Ireland, I guess, because it's easy and it's. But even yeah. just like like you can't see on the podcast, but in my background on Skype is um, Cunine House in Enniskillen, which is the most haunted house in Ireland. And uh, what was the what was the story behind that? Um, I can't remember all the details, but it's basically uh, it was haunted. I mean, look it up because I, I don't want to get it wrong. 
<laughs> I probably should have. I probably should have like actually preempted that question when I put it as my background, but I just remember. there was actually a TV series about Northern Irish hauntings. It's all on YouTube now. Um, it's kind of similar to like Most Wanted, but it's exclusively Northern Irish places. And um, it's one of those like uh, what do you call them? Like um, sensationalist, where they have a medium and stuff, and like it's this is you know this this is the real medium, and the real medium is going to be able to talk to the ghosts for real, unlike all the other fake mediums and stuff like oh, that. Oh so, yeah, so. yeah. It's great because she does the whole bit. You know, it's like um, there's a man here called called Paddy. Is there a Paddy ghost? So. <laughs> Oh, good. The story is actually quite short. Um, Cooneen Ghost House is a seemingly humble little cottage in the heartland of Cooneen in Fermanagh and is still standing in quite respectable condition. Considering... Hang on, there's more to it. No. Uh, considering that the hauntings have occurred in just over 100 years, uh, oh, yeah. the widow, Bridget Murphy, and her children were plagued by a terrifying poltergeist that would create loud noises, bangs, and raps on the walls, even to the tune of some songs that are popular for their times, such as the soldier song and the boy in water. Things such as pots, pans, and plates would be thrown across. But yeah, so basically it was a poltergeist that I'm guessing was just um, kids fucking around. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> like the soldier song and stuff like that. It's a Fenian yeah. poltergeist. Yeah, it was just, yeah, just like a... <laughs> A poltergeist. Hey, As I'm doing the um, the Halloween ghost walk, I, I curate like ghost walks for Halloween. Did, started doing it last year, so I'm doing another one this year. I had intended to do it last week, but then um, I had to self quarantine because of the COVID situation. But um, I'll be out. I'm fit. My quarantine finishes this weekend so then i'll be able to do it on halloween day but i'm doing around all the haunted sites around the city center last year it was kind of a mix of west belfast and the south belfast whereas this year it's just going to be city center based but yeah that'll be interesting um just before we get any further into this by the way uh, being that it's a beer podcast just to introduce the beers that we're drinking today uh so what are you drinking yourself sir <laughs> I'm drinking um, Wild Beer's uh, No Water Chocolate Orange Milkshake Milk Stout. So it is the first beer brewed without water. So they just use uh, whey protein as the liquid element, but oh. there is n- no water in it. That sounds fantastic, actually. Like a chocolate orange stout? Uh, yeah, you know what? It's It sounds it, it's nice, but it's not as nice as it sounds. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's still a bit. I think it's still a bit watery, but I guess that's just how they've made the the, the way of protein. But it's not as thick as I'd like it to be, or viscous as I'd like it to be. But it's nice. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had quite a, like a few stouts like that where they're just really watery and there's no substance to them. But mm. you need that like uh, the the main brand genius mm. uh, <laughs> that we don't talk about in this podcast. Mm. But uh, but you need that creamy thickness, like. Uh, Need that for a stout? I agree. I agree. I agree. You need some kind of depth to a stout. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm a. Uh, like a chocolate stout kind of person. Yeah. So I enjoy. Yeah. And so. I'm uh, drinking the Platform 6.1 Impeccable IPA from Wickwar Wessex Brewing Co. And it's 6.1% ABV and comes in a 500ml bottle. Um. Grand so far, it's just your basic, it tastes like an ale, to be fair, it doesn't taste like an IPA, like it's very like an old English ale, like you know, bitter. Mm. So I, I, I quite like those, I quite like yeah. old English ale bitters, yeah. Um, so I should also have said that the um, the wild beer is 4.7% alcohol volume and it's a 330ml bottle, and it was quite expensive at the time, but um, they they were only doing a small batch of them, so I think it was ah. like 20, 20 quid for four, and whatever it costs to get it delivered here, but... Um, they only made a small batch, so it's happy enough. So that's good. Um, but back to the so back into the the spooky spooky times. Your <laughs> your hauntings then. So you, you'd normally do it around pubs and stuff, but how is that going to work this year? Um, well, luckily, um, it's more like a standing outside. I mean, we we we. I, I used to do like over Christmas and stuff. I, I would do like the bring people into the pubs and tell about 
the ghosts that exist in a pub. But this year, I suppose, like last last year, I started and it was more going to each building and then talking about the ghost story associated with the building outside. Uh, so we'd start at um, Sam Comgill's Primary School on Divis Street, which was oh. the most uh, – it's, it's being knocked down. I think it might be complete knockdown now, actually, but um, which is the annoying thing about – doing any kind of tour in Belfast is they just knock the buildings down before, you know. But um, <laughs> some Congles was considered the most haunted building in Ireland for a time. Uh, it had um, the uh, the black nun. It was like haunted by ghosts of nuns and then a, a child poltergeist and so on. And the, the Northern Ireland Paranormal Research Group did a series of um, experiments there and uh, took photos sort of been sorry, considered quite... Uh, not definitive proof, but like quite convincing evidence of ghosts. I yeah. mean, they're not. If you, you know, if you, if you <laughs> like, if you look at them with any kind of um, uh, critical eye, but it's not fun to look at things like that with critical eyes. Yeah, I, mean, I think not. it's it's. Uh, I don't want to lose that part of you know that mystery part of Ireland where yeah, you know there is the fairies at the bottom of the garden uh, or the changelings that you were speaking of earlier. Um, I think it's important we hold on to that stuff and keep that air of madness about Ireland. It's fucking gl- beautiful. <laughs> glad you said that, Sean, because that, that, that this year's tour is kind of, and also last year's tour, really. My, my tours generally, they're quite based on that. Like, so it's the idea of um, the Ireland that we built over. So oh, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the concept of like we have uh, fairy wraiths and um, fairy trees and fairy wells and so on. So. Uh, last year's, well, not no, this year's tour takes it in, but um, there's a fairy garden in uh, Blythe Street of Sandy Row. So, do you know Blythe Street of Sandy Row? Uh, I think so. Was that the one beside the shoe shop? No, no, uh, nah, it's um. So, do you know if you know there's like a George Best mural like on Sandy Row, like just as you're coming up. So, like if you're leaving town. Oh yes. Yeah. Anyway, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my favorite yeah. area. You know, uh, I know you're a well-known resident, a well-known <laughs> patron of Sandy Road. But um, so down at the bottom of Bly Street is um, a hawthorn tree in oh, this fairy garden. So in Irish tradition and general, kind of general folk tradition, um, a hawthorn tree is a fairy tree. So it's uh, it's where the fairies live, and it's bad luck to, to cut them down. So in the 1930s, I think. Uh, or prior, they, they got, the council were going to chop down the tree and build houses there. But all the residents didn't want them to because they didn't want them to take down the tree because the tree was uh, a fairy tree. So they, and the builders refused. All the builders were like, I don't want to get cursed by fairies. So they just didn't do it. And instead, they built a fairy garden around it. So to this day, there is a hawthorn tree with a fairy garden and they built a fairy well because um, there used to be like a lot of uh, springs around, particularly that part of Belfast, because it's um, it's uh, the whole of kind of the south of the city used to just be bogland and, uh, and wetland. So there's a lot of natural uh, water bodies. So their belief was that a fairy well or a fairy spring would grant you eternal life or grant you luck, what have you. So uh, that particular body of water used to also service the rest of the city once it got built up. So Fountain Street, for instance, uh, is named that because it linked up to the fairy wells of Sandy Row. So that still stands. And that's part of the tour because it's um, there's a lot of kind of supernatural elements to that. Like there's a belief that a, a, an evil wizard was buried underneath it. And um, all that kind of yeah. ancient Irish folklore still exists, particularly in, lo- in oddly like in loyalist areas of Belfast or in, in Northern Ireland in general. So uh, so that, that exists in... Um, in, in Sandy Row, like that whole kind of idea of fairies and li- uh, little people, and um, even further into up the Shankle on the uh, top, like where the Shankle meets the Woodstock Road, um, is Saint Michael's Church, and they oh. have a druid stone in the uh, uh, in the grounds of the church. So the druid stone is so that that particular site is the oldest religious site in in Ireland. So there's always been a church there for that. That's why Shankles, the old church. So there's always been a church or some sort of religious site in that area. And it's beside the Shankle graveyard, which is one of the oldest graveyards in the country. And um, the Druid stone was found during an excavation of the graveyard and then moved to the church. And that whole thing is, it's like a, I can't remember the name, like Buller stone or Buller stone. It's like a stone with a hole in the middle. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it's, yeah. I, think it's, I think it was meant, 
probably historically used to make grain. But this one is they, uh, it always has water in it. And you meant to, if you have a wart, you prick yourself for the needle and put it in the, uh, put the needle in the, the water stone and then your wart gets healed. And that's still believed in that part of, um, the shankle. So that, again, that's, that's like Irish folklore that exists in Protestant British, like loyalist areas of the yeah. city, but they're still, and then that, that, that kind of exists generally. And that, my whole thing is, uh, like the, the, the supernatural and the magic and all that exists within, you know, within the natural habitat of, of Ireland. So like, uh, the ancient people believed in, um, deities and fairies and gods that existed within the waters around Belfast. So, uh, one of the stories on the tour, um, is about the, uh, the, the ghost who commits suicide on, uh, Queen's Bridge. So for years, people would see a black cloaked figure jumping off the bridge. And, uh, again, it was a, it was a ghost of, well, it was a reported ghost of a figure. But, <laughs> um, they found, um, archaeologists also found a, uh, a long sword at the base of where, you know, the, where the bridge would be because it was, but it wasn't a fighting sword. It was a sword as a, as a tribute. Like a so, ceremonial sword? Yeah, sort that of was thing? given, yeah, that yeah. was given to like a water deity that lived in the lagoon. So you have these, um, this archaeological evidence of, uh, Belief in the supernatural or belief in, you know, like a dead is supernatural. And then, um, coupled with then in the same area, sightings of ghosts or supernatural experiences of that. Yeah. So you, you have an area that always somehow feels in that way mysterious or special. Uh, and it's interesting to me. I, I just think, I, I think there's probably, you know, there, there is probably scientific reasoning where it's fine, but it's more interesting to think of certain areas being, more connected to a supernatural world, yeah, and I think that's in where the where the you know, the fun is with it. There are, there are certain instances of like uh, I think I can't remember what I think it was a road near Navin, um, but planning permission had been like denied for years and years and years by the government there, and they were saying that uh, there's a ferry ring and you can't build a road through it. Um, but eventually, this uh, planning permission went through. The road was built, and there was nothing but car crashes. Uh, and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't know if there's a coincidence, or maybe if it's just a big long stretch of road and people, people hammered it. Well, there's, <laughs> always, I mean, like, there's always, there's always going to be like a rational explanation, but then again, it's not as fun. Like same point in Iceland, for instance, there's a laws against um, uh, disturbing uh, Hildefolk trees. So oh, yeah. like yeah. you have to build your road around it. So there's roads that just go around trees because you can't knock the tree down because that's where the fairies live or the Hildefolk live. Yeah. Uh, which again, it's and that's there. There is another um, thing I was thinking about recently. Uh, so, so if, if this if this bores you, I mean, we'll, we'll change the topic. But it's um, the whole idea of uh, the Highlands in Scotland are the same mountain range as the Appalachian Mountains in the States. So obviously, yeah. you know, in the back before the world all cracked up, they were all parked and the work split and those mountains went there and these mountains went here. And if you believe in this idea of uh, like really ancient supernatural spiritualism that exists within the rocks and the mountains and the belief, then you would see that there are similar like stories that exist in the Appalachians as they do in the Highlands of Scotland and different parts yeah. of you know, the, the Grey Man or the Man of the Mist exists in both places. And does that exist because of an immigration uh, story or does it exist because there is a supernatural element to the rock formations that exist there? Yeah, that's that. Uh, I think it was, was it Carl Jung um, had the theory that uh, there's an interconnectedness in people. Um, where like in Ireland, there's the story of uh, Fenton, like the salmon of knowledge, but it also mm. exists in India. Exact mm. same story. People never met each other, but they told the exact same story. And his theory was that uh, there's a shared consciousness through nature and stuff like that. But uh, I'd like to think it's just mysticism, if I'm honest. I mean, uh, it, could, it could just be, it could, yeah, again, like, but the concept of shared consciousness is, is also a form of mysticism. But um, again, it's interesting, like, same point of, you know, uh, like dragons exist in every culture. Um, yeah. And uh, giants exist in every culture. And granted, you, you know, it doesn't take a genius to imagine a man tall. As a, you know, like if you're a, like a lot, a lot of it does kind of, you know, you have to take away the concept of man's ability to fictionalize things. But nonetheless, there are stories of giants and dragons and so on that exist in all the cultures, in all the different um, 
big times. So something, there's something to it. That's what I say. This is really gonna, this is really gonna ruin my reputation as a medical doctor. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, the um, the girl too, as you said, but the haunted pubs. I think we should. Buy, I'll I'll do I'll do a few anecdotes about haunted. Well, anecdotes, stories I've heard about haunted pubs because it's a, a beer podcast in the city. Do you know what the most haunted bar in um, Belfast is? Uh, off the top of my head, I would say McHugh's. And why would you say McHugh's? Uh, I think it's just a. Uh, there's something really eerie about it. I think it's just because it's like underground and it feels like a really cold cellar. Um, just when you go down to the the gig venue, so I could imagine like stone walls and bad things happening there. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, technically, again, the measurement of hauntings is um, you know just nonsense. You know, it's just you know, people say it's haunted, it's haunted. You know, so you measure it. But yeah. it'd be the Empire in um, on Botanic. Oh, okay. So the Empire is the only bar in Belfast that used to be a church. Yeah. So it was a Presbyterian church and then was uh, uh, de-sanctified and then made into a pub. And um, there's the reports of like, you know, the upstairs empire where it's like the um, the theater area, like the, the musical room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there is a pair of phantom hands that applaud um, up in the balconies. People have witnessed um, footsteps when everything's closed. Uh, a few staff left. Uh, because they got too frightened to work at night. Wow. There, no, people don't aren't tend to not work on their own when they're working in like at night in the empire. So particularly upstairs, you'll always have two guys on uh, closing. Uh, phones will ring without um, you know, you know like, as in like internal phones will ring even though there's one person there. Like very kind of like odd little like, like minor poltergeist activity, uh, like plate smashing things like that. Um, the there was a theory that uh, the basement part of Empire was a crypt of the church, and um, so the spirits of the Presbyterians that went there really dislike the fact that it's a pub. So it's most of them just showing their uh, annoyance that their resting place is now a house of ill repute. Uh, yeah, so people also just see kind of like just like not malicious but mischievous mm. kind of ghost. So there's like. In the way, like I'm sure, like it's a, like a really reserved Presbyterian is being malicious, but it's just like pushing a plate over because that's like that's the amount of rage they can they can fathom. Yeah. About, you know, like, but it's, <laughs> or, but it's uh, burn the tea or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like I'm going to think poor thoughts of that woman. But um, yeah, so apparently they, that's got a lot of sightings. Like I think um, it's not. I know. I was kind of thought it was like it was. They, 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 I think they used to advertise that they were the most wanted bar in Belfast, but I'm not sure if they stopped doing that. Um, I guess because again, it's like I don't know what kind of clientele you bring in if you say you're the most wanted bar elsewhere. But because also they don't really, I think it's a thing they should probably promote more. Like once once we're allowed to open again, like do like a like have a, a a play on Halloween night upstairs. You know, do like a, a ghost that like comes some sort of like séance thing or do something like that. But yeah, there's there's like, also uh, um, sorry. Go. Oh, uh, I was just going to say it was like the time we watched uh, Nostradamus in the you know the wee dungeon of Sedan's Cathedral. Yes. Um, the crypt. The crypt. <laughs> the cathedral's done. <laughs> All right, you've been a bad alter boy. That's like that. It's one of those, one of those good Protestant churches that they don't do that. To them. <laughs> but uh, down in the crypt. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty fantastic. Uh, but I couldn't imagine being down there. On my own with nobody else and the music being off or the, the movie being off and stuff, I guess. So yeah, it's, no, it's, um, <laughs> it, it's quite like, like stuff like that is quite unsettling. Like, um, oh, the Crown Bar, or the Crown Bar is wanted. Uh, the Crown Bar, when it's just that's on the tour as well. So it's, it's interesting in that. So it's, do you know about Amelia? Oh, no. So you know, Amelia, so Amelia Street is just um, behind the Crown. So um, oh. or on the side of the Crown, sorry. So like you know, the Crown Bar in the city. Yeah. So Amelia was a prostitute that uh, worked out of the Crown, basically. And um, she, so you know, the statue of the two, like the working women at Europa. Oh yes. Yeah. Right. So that initially 
was going to be a tribute to Amelia. So effectively, it was initially going to be like a, a tribute to sex workers of Victorian Belfast. Oh, but there was some, at least that's another. That's what I read. I've also read that. It, yeah. it, I also read that she doesn't like that, but I don't know. I like to think that's what it's going to be. So instead, <laughs> they just made it to the working women of Belfast in general. So it's a it's just a statue to women who who work. Um, or a working class woman of the city. But Amelia was a prostitute that uh, worked out of the Crown Bar and she got into an argument with uh, her pimp. So he pushed her down the stairs and she broke her neck and died in the bar. Um, and her ghost is said to haunt it. So her ghost is said to be sitting at the bar or walking up and down the stairs. Uh, I read an interview with one of the barmen who'd been there for like 40 years, like one of the old school barmen, and they held a seance to try and contact her and apparently they did. And... Um, yeah, so a lot of them, they, they all know it's just one of those things where, like, which is funny about our culture, I think, where, like, you know, we just accept that somewhere's haunted. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it's a movie of the ghost. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, no, no, no need to delve in further. Like, I agree. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, ghosts exist, and that's the, that's the day. You know, I go, I'll have my pint and watch, you know, so. Yeah, but, uh, I, I have a, a bit of a belief as well, I think, because I, I, I've had a few experiences where I just can't explain. Um, so I kind of just put it down to ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, uh, I've been dead for seventy years, and yeah. we are. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good. The afterlife has like a, you know, Wi-Fi connection. Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah, it helps. It helps. It's useful. But um, yeah, no, the uh, there's everywhere has its stories, I suppose. But Belfast has because a lot of it's so old. Um. Well, not even actually, just not, not even that it's old, it's a lot of it is like, we, we kind of pass it down. So like there's a lot of kind of oral, oral history or like a lot of people just like telling the stories about it. So, um, you know, Henry Joy McCracken, of course, being hanged in um, Corn Market. And yeah. uh, so he, he used to live with um, with Marianne McCracken, his sister, in where White's Tavern is now. So and, uh, so that's just, that's where their house was, where, just where White's Tavern is. And um she brought him back there. Mary McCracken brought him back there to try and resuscitate him after the hanging, and um, she failed. But now people report seeing. There's a photo someone put up on a what was it? Probably Belfast Live or Telegram, one of those websites, and um, of like Henry Henry Joe McCracken's ghost um, walking, like like basically trying to kiss a woman at the doorstep of White's Tavern. So people have said they've seen his ghost. Uh, Walking past his tavern, they've also said they've seen his ghost walking around Corn Market. So he, he's like a big kind of figure of, I guess. Oh yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's uh, so that's why you get like Joy's entry and stuff because uh, Joy McCracken was the cousin or something like that, and then McCracken's bar and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Well, McCracken's in Nathram, and then, then Joy, Joy's entry is named for the they have the Joy because they owned um, the newsletter. Oh no, sorry, not the newsletter, the Northern Week bar, the Northern Week. Um, newspaper oh, okay. it was by the by, oh, by the joys and um yeah so mary mccracken and henry joe mccracken they were the um irish uh revolutionaries from uh during the 1798 rebellion the irishman um but they yeah their imprint in the city is quite big but it's one of those things again like see that's the other thing i think it's interesting about belfast is how the history is taught weird you know so if, if we were in america Everyone would know who Henry Joy McCracken and Marianne McCracken were, yeah, because they're, they're 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 basically like the Hamiltons, like of 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 Ireland, basically, you know, and like revolutionaries that, but they just failed. Like it just we had a, it was it was around the same time. It was all part of that whole, uh, you know, the age of the Enlightenment Revolution. So uh, the French Revolution, the American Revolution, and then the uh, 1798 Rebellion were all kind of connected like down to the harp festival and so on like wolf tone and all that stuff but yeah which is the same with which is also why uh the assembly rooms uh you know they're building opposite it's now like all fall to pieces like opposite um the northern wig oh, yeah that was because there was plans they were going to bring like turn that into a, a music venue yeah, well, it was it was briefly a music venue. Yeah. Um, it was a, I went to see a movie in it as well. There was loads of plans for it, but um, the people who own it, it's better for them to let it rot, uh, so then they can knock it down effectively. So I think Steph is working. Well, that th there was plans to try and get uh, the council to sell it back to the community. So 
sorry, so get the the owners to sell it to the council, so then the count the Belfast could own it. Yeah, I think I think there is now talk about turning it into like a hotel, a boutique hotel. But um, I think it would be I think it'd be a good arts venue. But the same point is, oh, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> I was going to say like, that the, uh, it's hopefully the same people that like built the George Best Hotel. Oh yeah, yeah. they're coming in. I mean, that's doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what happens. That's what happens. That's what happens. We, we just sell the like British, um, like British land developers, and hope they don't fuck us over. But <laughs> they, they always, always do. Always do. Yeah. Um, who would have thought? A British land developer fucking over the Irish, but what are the odds? Um, but no, the so the, the assembly rooms is actually that's where they had the trial for Henry Joy McCracken. Oh, okay, so yeah. That, that was a, that was a courthouse. It was also see, but prior to that, it was where the Harp Festival in seventeen ninety six was held. The 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 Harp Festival that was like the um the cultural. Uh, revitalization of Irish music. So that was, uh, it was like a big kind of Irish, uh, nationalized event. So this was going to like spark everyone on to join the revolution. And, you know, we have our own culture now. So this, you know, this, this wolf tone was there and the Krakens were there. And then literally a year later, it became a courthouse where all the United Irishmen were trial for treason. And that's where Harry and John McCracken was, um, sentenced to death. But people who live that became a bank later on, and people who worked in the bank saw the ghosts of the uh, like the, the judges and juries and lawyers up on the top floor. So that that area is still haunted as well. Like there's always these kind of stories of 17th century, 18th century ghosts that haunt that building. And uh, yeah, so it's all like again, Henry John McCracken's kind of tied in to all that. Like he's part of all the whole. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds interesting. Like we, we should totally. Uh, I'll be on that tour for sure. <laughs> if I, you guys if seen can. most of it. Like just most of me just like forgetting everything I said. It's like uh, this is also a ghost. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, say like it's it's sad we can't just go to the pubs and yeah, do that. Like, there's pub. something to be said. Like uh, it's something like my granny's kitchen was always a story place. Um, so my granddad was always the biggest storyteller and he'd be sitting down, everybody would have a wee can and he'd just crack into a story um, there is something to be said for sitting having a, a pint and listening to a story as opposed to standing outside uh, the place as well, I think it, it'd be easier I think for you to well the um, yeah, the, the, the other the other bit is just that everything is is, um, is being knocked down Um yeah, I mean, I, I I had to completely change my last year's tour because of everything was gone. Uh, well, like ninety percent of them is gone now, so it's just kind of just starting in the city and then just moving further south. But um, or just like asking people to imagine that a thing is here, or uh, which is yeah. why I'm kind of going with the angle of that. You know, buildings aren't necessarily haunted, but um, places are. So. If you believe in the supernatural uh, power or value of a of a plot of land, say, or a, you know where something's built, and it's it's not that the house is haunted; it's that the house is a container for the spirits that were trying to uh, rise up from the ground, say. So, yeah. like the so the, the spirits have like bought that plot of land, sort of thing, and that's theirs. <clears throat> yeah, so they'll maybe take on the form of um of like a a familiar being that exists within that building so uh let's say the uh the uh, bog land that they built the assembly rooms on had some kind of ancient deity or ancient uh supernatural element spirit or ghost living underneath it and then but they they turned it into a uh, uh an 18th century courthouse so the spirit will just take on the form of what it thinks should be in there so you know we'll see like okay it's all men in powdered wigs that's how i will then i'll i'll, I'll model myself on that person that i saw yeah. so instead instead of you're not really seeing the ghost of like an 18th century nobleman you're seeing a uh otherworldly creation form itself into the image oh, of like an 18th the... century person at the spirit's rep- representation of what that would be, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, well, yeah, project. Okay, well, what, what's like? So that, also, let's say, in another way, of looking at it, your your mind's eye can't comprehend it. 
So if you saw some, so like your 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 brain will shut things out that it doesn't understand. Yeah. So, uh, that's the uncanny valley, isn't it? The, un- the uncanny or, valley is yeah. when you are afraid of uh, things that aren't quite human. Yeah. Um, but the um, if you basically so like let's say if you okay so that if you try to imagine a integer like a number a whole number in between five and six yeah so you can't really do that because five is five and six is six so your mind can't comprehend the idea of like a whole number that exists in between those two numbers yeah so your brain just doesn't acknowledge it so it doesn't exist at the same point like you can't the certain colors that exist in the universe that our eyes can't comprehend so we just don't see them so those colors don't exist to us so in the same way if we look at a ghost or a spirit say our minds, our brains can't comprehend what we're seeing. So then they just form them into a ghost of something that we would understand. So let's say if we, if something emerged that was completely indescribable and incomprehensible to us, our brains would just transform it into like a Victorian ghost because that's what we're used to. So oh, like, okay, yeah. we, we expect okay. to see like a child ghost. So whatever that spirit is coming up from the ground is, that's what our minds will turn it into. So now it's a child ghost and it's easier to, to comprehend that than it is to comprehend some sort of uh, disembodied, like, ancient spirit that has no uh, form, if you get me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, I've, I've read a lot of H.P. Lovecraft. So yeah. That's basically right, the crux yeah. of it, isn't yeah, it? Right, it's yeah. like, where uh, that's how he describes everything. He's like, it's uh, some unknowable, unfathomable <laughs> thing. And... Uh, like I couldn't comprehend what I was saying. I was like, <laughs> "Fair enough, just say it's a guy." It's a guy. Indescribable. It's like, yeah, like, hey, has it got a big hat? Is that what it is? I was like, "I suppose." Like, fair enough, it's brilliant, but it's so lazy. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, it's good though, isn't it? Like, just like I don't know. Yeah, you you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it if you saw it. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like uh, I went when I went to London. Like when I did the. Uh, the open bus hop tour. Um, did quite a few of them, but I did the Tower of Lo- or the Fire of London one, and it was basically, oh, you should have seen the city back in the day before the fire. It was fantastic. We had all this stuff, all these buildings, and now it's all gone. Uh, <laughs> but you should have seen it. A lot, yeah. London's kind of sad now because there is it's one of the places there is so much history in it, but um, yeah. it, it's getting harder and harder to find. Um, we we it's, it's, I got a like a wee book about a cult London. So last seven hour actually we were in London in February, um, just before everything the world went to hell. And we did like we mini self guided a cult tour around the odd parts of London. Oh wow! And um, again, but it's like you're 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 going from like you know this kind of like ancient like the uh, what is it? They got like a really it's like an ancient stone uh, that's in like. A glass case on the outside of a big skyscraper, and I think is it the Arthurians? It's basically, it's basically kind of like you know the Arthurian stone kind of thing, but it's like just like in this glass case in this big, in like a big kind of financial part of London. So you have all these like massive big glass buildings, like soulless glass buildings, but then in between is like like proper ancient history. Even there's like that Mithras temple in the uh, Bloomberg building. Oh yeah. So yeah. it's like, like all these kind of weird. Like occulty, uh, ancient stuff that just kind of uh, exists almost exclusively in modern London. And it's um, yeah, it's grim, I suppose. In a way, like I, I don't know. Do you, do you like all the modern buildings and stuff? Is that like, or do you are you like a whatever? Doesn't matter. Uh, no, I, I like. I prefer the old ones. Like I really love the red brick. Like it's always fascinating. Uh, because you never think to look up when you go through a city anymore. Because like everything's just branding lights, fucking everything pounding your eyes. But then like just look up and you see like a Freemason symbol if you're walking through Corn Market. <laughs> you're like, what? Hang on, aren't those the bad guys? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the Belfast is actually a good city for looking up in. Actually, if you particularly as you say that the Freemason thing, like there's a lot of Masonic holds in in the city. Um, yeah. Mostly because it was, it, was built, it was built by you know you, you can stay in that that Mason's Hall in um Core Market. Oh wait, it's like a really 
fancy apartment you can just stay. It's like it's like an Airbnb type deal, but it's like it's the same it's the same apartment that the architect who built the Freemasons Hall lived in in the um the eighteen uh, hundreds. So oh. it's all it's all done up, so it's like modern, but it's the same like it's the same building, it's the same thing. It just it just has got mod cons in it, but it's only like sixty quid a night or something. But it's got a pool and it's like you can have like a party in it if you wanted if it wasn't COVID time. But it's like and it's right in the middle of course. It's like right above where like, the top floor of the Freemason Hall. Because it's also kind of part of the Victoria Square apartments, but it's its own thing and it's owned by the Freemasons, and you get discounted rates if you're a Freemason. But um, just funny again because it's you know like this mysterious Freemason group that also run a Booking.com um, <laughs> website. But did, did you go into the Masonic Hall on Rosemary Street? Uh, Culture Night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so went in and seen the video game orchestra, but yes. I just had a wander about as well. Um. Really beautiful. Like uh, the, I think it was in the the main one where the orchestra was playing. It was uh, like all wooden and old and really lovely. But then I went up to the top where there was the cinema. Mm. Uh, it was like the sort of carved roof and stuff. But that's the only two rooms I was in. Did you see? There's like a big fresco painting. I can't remember which room it was in. Uh, it might have actually just been where the cinema room was actually. But it's there's like a big kind of painting on the uh like a wood panel as you go in and that was worth it was valued at 13 million pounds oh wow but it was just like sitting in that like abandoned freemason hall for like 20 years just (laughs) just there like it's it's that that whole the the, the masonic history of belfast is interesting enough too just just because of the fact that it's it's everywhere in this city which is like we're we're, like I, i i wrote my wee, wee fiction stories about like um just the the hidden like kind of bizarre history that belfast has uh, so you know the whitlow hall in um queens um if you ever go past you ever go past queens university and do the whitlow hall on your it'd be like the first building on your right as if you're coming from stramulus oh yes yeah so if you next time you're going past it um look at the side of the building and there are six uh, very prominent Masonic symbols across it. So you've got the owl, you've got the Masonic um, compass and um, other stuff too, but it's all like these really, and it's not like hidden. I think it's just there, just these big kind of Masonic symbols, but also uh, when they were doing the um, refurb of the Lanyon building, they put up the photo of one of the original Masonic bricks. So in the actual red brick is one of the just the real brick with and is engraved with the um the owl masonic symbol and the triangle of knowledge just 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 there and it's just all these kind of just weird things that like because it was built by Lanyon he was a the, the head Freemason for Belfast for such a long time but it's um yeah it's just just interesting just like the amount of symbolism I guess that, you know, this kind of weird occult symbolism that exists here and uh like, cause we're so small, like, you know, we're such like a, in a lot of ways, like an insignificant part of the world, but like such a bizarrely large impact on the world, but also like just very yeah. much like covered in like this kind of mysticism. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just interesting. Very, very strange. Um, cause like, I don't know anybody that has ever mentioned did you notice the Freemason iconography like everywhere? <laughs> it's like it's mm-hmm. one of those things like nobody's really acknowledges it. Like everybody walks past it every day, but yeah, I um, guess because I'm like I, I'm in that mindset. <laughs> like, how, how long have I been doing this for now? Like probably twenty years, just like yeah, but deep into my conspiracy uh, shite. But it's um, I mean it is everywhere. Like it really is everywhere. Uh, like I, I did a thing just for the crack. Just for the crack, Sean. But um, uh, you can draw a straight line, a completely straight line from uh, uh, the Giant's Ring to the Masonic Hall in Core Market. No way. Yeah, if you get a map, straight line right down. If you if you basically if you walk straight, if you just kept walking straight yeah. with the Masonic Hall to your back, you would be at Giant's Ring. That's insane. And it's um, yeah, there's a guy who kind of researched all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's I, I find that out really, really good his stuff. But yeah, that's, that's I guess obviously like I mean it could also be coincidence, it could also be planned. But it's all stuff like that. Like everything, like the Giants Ring is that used to be a very still is actually a very like uh, important uh, spiritual site to like 
ancient Ireland, you know, all that area. The other like, on that, the other really interesting thing about like that is just how much of our really ancient sites are owned by different countries. So the American embassy is in Danesfort. So Danesfort is uh, one of the oldest um, sites of human habitation in in Ireland. And uh, that's where they found the Malone Horde. So it was like a, a collection of um, stone axe heads. They're in the Ulster Museum. You'll see them. You ever see like the photo? It's like a pile of uh, polished axe heads. It's like the used to be the Ulster Museum logo, and it's like basically it's like a very. If you if you look it up, you'll recognize the photo, like the Malone Horde. You'll recognize you'll be like, oh, that's that. But it's basically this like famous collection of axe heads, and that was found on Danes Fort House, which is now the American Embassy. And it's um, like effectively one of the grandest houses in uh, Belfast and Northern Ireland generally, but also like the oldest site. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, really significantly spiritual and historical importance. But we've sold it to America. Like it's not it doesn't belong to Belfast anymore. It belongs to America because it's the U.S. Um, consulate. So it's U.S. Yeah. land. That's so we've, strange. We've given our like, you know. And it's the thing is, but Belfast was the second um, second country in the world to have a U.S. consulate. So it's it was um, France and then us when America were establishing their consulates around the world. So we, we've got the second long, we've got the second oldest in the world after after France, and it used to be in McHugh's. There were McHugh's now, but the first American consulate, but at Belfast House because we we have such a, a, a significance to America, which is also really interesting. Because uh, we're again we're so small, but we have this massive impact, and it's it kind of plays all into this like um, supernatural, masonic, conspiratorial, strange occult history that exists within the city. Yeah, because we I mean, know if you, like <laughs> Nicholas Cage should be here trying to find treasure. And yeah, that's, uh, like that kind national of, uh, national treasure three, <laughs> national treasure three, the troubles. Right? Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, the goal. I mean, it's it's one of the, it's like it's like a fun rabbit hole to go down. Is um like just Belfast plus a cult, and then you know, because it, it's it it really is everywhere. Um, I don't want to get any of the darker stuff because of the the, the fun, lighthearted nature of the podcast. But um, <laughs> like if people want to, I mean, Google it and find out. But it's yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I've. Uh... I've nothing but free time these days. <laughs> yeah, so if you want a rabbit hole to go down, um, I'll yeah, hang on, I'll find the guy's name. I know, I'll I'll send you the the so there's a person's name and I'll send you the name on Wikipedia and that will be like the start of the rabbit hole and then just continue going down. Yeah. But it's um, that'd be incredible and uh, I'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, yeah, when the podcast comes out, uh, I forget his name now and I'll send it to you. But um. But another interesting thing to look at in that is the whole British psyop operation during the Troubles about uh, spreading the concept of black magic through working class areas of Belfast. Oh, okay. So, so like, I was always very interested in the Alistair Crowley um, okay. sort of stories and stuff like that, like where they, I don't think he ever came to Belfast, but <laughs> supposedly he eventually was uh, like successful in opening a portal to hell. And never got to close it when he died. Yeah. So uh, up in the Highlands, it's still very much like haunted. And <laughs> That's a yeah, a Skeen house in Loch Ness. Yeah. That's where. So this this is my my theory about why the world is the way that it is. Is um, when David Bowie died in 2016. So. Um. As you're aware, because you live in the same planet, is nothing has really been the same since David Bowie died in 2016. Like 2016 was kind of the turning point year of like all of your heroes dying, um, Trump winning the election, Brexit happening, uh, the world literally coming to an end. Like everything happened from 2016 to now. Like so, David Bowie. Um, so Bolskine House is a mansion on the banks of Loch Ness, which Alistair Crowley bought um, because of the spiritual and supernatural importance of the site of where it was. 
So he chose yeah. it specifically so he could perform rituals. And um, there's actually a great film on Amazon Prime called A Dark Song, uh, which it was filmed in Ireland, but they it's 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 basically they also rep, they replicate the um, the ceremony that Crowley did, which was to bring well he, he wanted to meet his guardian angel more or less, um, but you bring up demons from hell and you bring up angels from heaven and so on so that but so he lived in house and as you say he opened up the portal to hell which um also when he did it coincides with the first sightings of like men in black and ufos so it was like 1947 or so oh yeah so so people people correlate um the sightings of men in black and ufos to crowley opening up portal to hell because effectively what it did was like shatter dimensions so you know you're not seeing aliens, you're just seeing beings that Crowley unleashed onto the world. <laughs> but uh, after he died, so Jimmy Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin bought Bowling House, and he and uh, he always had his parties there. And uh, David Bowie was obviously at these parties during That's the seventies right. and eighties. Uh, I think I think uh, Stairway to Heaven was actually wrote there, and then it was actually first played in, in Belfast, Belfast. Yep. in Ulster Hall. Yeah, incredible. It yeah. is, isn't it? Isn't that a weird coincidence, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> All these go. things that happen here. All these things. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, but Bowie said he was possessed by the ghost of a witch that he met at Bolskeen House. And that this witch tormented him throughout his life. And um, he felt a genuine uh, fear of events that occurred in Bolskeen House and the house in general. Uh, Jimmy Page sold the house later on and bought a bookshop. But um, when... A week before David Bowie died, Bolskeen House burnt to the ground in a as yet um, an arson attack. Where sorry, as yet no one's been arrested or charged or anything. So uh, basically, a mysterious fire burnt Bolskeen House to the ground, and then a week later, David Bowie died. My theory was that David Bowie knew he obviously knew he was dying, and he didn't want to die before he knew Bolskeen House was destroyed, and. Um, it, he was happy that it was destroyed, and then he died peacefully. So I think that either he paid an arsonist or him in his like frail state went and like in his port is gasoline <laughs> down, set a fire, paid off the police, and firemen drove away. But um, so since then, since Bolsking House got destroyed and David Bowie died, you have this kind of chaos that was unleashed onto the world with Brexit, with Trump, with COVID, with you know the advancements of climate change. Granted, all these things can be easily explained by other science. But it's much more fun to think that uh, David Bowie's destruction of Ball's Going House, in his mind, was protecting the world, but in fact uh, unleashed chaos upon the world. Yeah, cause I think uh, it makes sense because like, what's the house destroyed? Like you say, the entities take whatever form they're in. If they're taking the form of the house, the house is destroyed, then they take a form of the world. Yep. <laughs> like Go. there's nothing to yeah, the find. Yeah. There is. There is a group that are theory, restoring. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're currently restoring Bolskine House, so it's current, currently being rebuilt. Um, but again, the damage has been done. Like the, if they were being kept in the house, the house is gone now. So now they're just out out in the world doing doing Brexit and doing Republican <laughs> judges in America. That's insane. <laughs> like it's just one thing after another. I would prefer to believe. Yeah. That's a, a portal yeah. to hell. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather believe that hell just got unleashed because Bowie foolishly thought he was doing us a favor. Fucking idiot, Bowie. <laughs> but yeah, that's um. I wonder if like uh, as you say, when the house is rebuilt, do you think they'll try to do some sort of like pull a cork back in it job, where they bring some sort of a cult leader and give it a go? To be honest, I'd, I'd be surprised if there wasn't some kind of. I mean. Even just monetarily, like you'd think they'd be, they'd want to do some sort of occult ritual in it. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's really why it's famous. Like it's not famous for any other reason other than being like an occult hotspot. Like it's not like people think, oh, fuck, I don't know, like, J- like Jim and Jane Smith lived here. I mean, it's Alistair Crowley's house, so it's yeah, <laughs> you know, it's the, the wickedest man in the world's house. So yeah, no, it is, it is again. Like it's it's all that stuff's really interesting, but um, yeah. Are you doing much for Halloween this year? Uh, actually, no plans. I'm not sure what I yeah. want to dress up as. Um, I, I wanted to dress the dog up as, like, as I realized earlier, dress him up as Dumbledore. I'll call him Burbledore. 
and uh, I think it's just just be incredibly cute. Like, yeah, 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 it would be. So would you would you be would you be Harry Potter? Can you be Dumbledore or Burbendale? Burb Burbendore. Uh, I might be. Boulder. Um, who's who's that guy in the prisoner prisoner of Azkaban? Oh, Sirius Black. Yeah, probably be Sirius yeah. Black. Get a wig. I can keep my beard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what are you doing for Halloween? We're well. It's mine and Steph's birthday. Um, oh, we right, obviously yeah. we can't go anywhere, so we're doing. Um, uh, sitting in and watching a horror film, I suppose. But we're dressing up as um, the Curies from the Simpsons episode, where they are giant radioactive monsters destroying a city. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, St- Steph has built like laser laser eyes for us to for us to wear, and uh, getting green lights so we glow green, and then um, yeah. Just episode. So again, it's for nobody's benefit but ours. But um, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't, I don't really dress up to go out. We're just dressing up and then it's sitting in the house, which has always been the plan. Because yeah. we we had planned to go to QFT, but they um they closed it obviously because of the the COVID situation. Uh, bad times. But um, yeah, should we wrap up and just talk about these beers? Yes, let's do that. Right. <laughs> Coming close to the hour mark. Yeah, gee, sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, people are uh, chomping at the bit trying to get into that <laughs> Belfast in the occult. Cool. So this was the Platform 6.1 Impeccable IPA by Wickwar West, Wessex Brewing Co. Uh, quite nice, if I'm honest. It's just a, a better ale. Um, just bog standard, does what it says in the bottle, except be an APA. <laughs> um, That's a shame. Yeah, it's just fine. Um, yeah, enjoy it. It's like, it's easily drank, really smooth, and uh, there's a wee bit of like caramel to it as well as, as eels tend to have. Uh, so yeah, out of five, I would give it a 3.5, I would say. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Do you, do you think if they had advertised it as an English bitter... It would have got the four. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think when beers say what they're not, mm. um, I think they tend to not appreciate it. They're like the English landlords, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they they promise things and Constantly, don't deliver. Yeah, can't be trusted. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm tired of it, Sean. Tired of it. <laughs> um, yes, and I was drinking the uh, Wild Beers Company's uh, No Water. Uh, chocolate orange milkshake milk stout uh, made without water and just with whey. It is a 4.7% volume and it is a 330ml bottle. Um, I've Again, it's the, the flavour is nice. It, you, you can get the chocolate, you can get the orange um, and uh, there, there is a slight creaminess from the milk. I think it is more akin to an oat milk though than a dairy milk so it has that kind of Slight milk texture, but not the viscosity of a full milk. Yeah. Um, I think if it was because it's made without water, I expected it to be of a thicker viscosity, and I expected the mouthfeel to be fuller. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it was a bit more liquid that, well, like a bit more watery than I had anticipated because it obviously had stated there was no water in it. Um, I think I will going to go for three point five out of five, and I think in the same kind of lines of you. If you say no water, I expect no water. Um, yeah, that's fair. And although yeah. there is no water in it, uh, the viscosity is the same as water, so I don't really see the difference. And maybe they, maybe there wasn't much point. And um, but yeah, I mean, if for an experiment beer, I mean, like it's one of those ones like if you saw it in a bar, you're going to try it because you want to try what a no water beer tastes like. Yeah, so, I'd, I'd be interested in trying that on uh, on draft. I think. Um, mm. Maybe it would translate better to draft, like with a bit of carbonization from the pump. Yeah, um, maybe that'll bring it out. Uh, potentially. I wonder how it would pour. I imagine it would probably pour the same. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does have a nice pour. It does have a nice look. It's like, It looks dark. It looks much darker than it. Like, it, it looks like a proper dark stout. Um, but as you say, yeah, it would be interesting. Because you, you could probably drink a pint of it, which is interesting. Because usually, because it is quite light, you could probably drink a pint of it, which is potentially their intention. But yeah. the bottles anywhere like three thirty mils. So. But yeah, three and a half out of five, I'd say. 
like a wee taster. <laughs> a wee taster, a, t- a, taste, a taster of, uh, of wild beer, but yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for coming on this week's episode of Cancer Across the World podcast. A lot of great stuff in there, and I'm going to get stuck into the uh, Belfast and the Cults research. <laughs> <laughs> expect uh, expect me to look like Charlie from Sunny in Philadelphia, yeah, like point at the board going yeah. Pepe Silva. <laughs> yeah, you just I was I just want you to get like loads of really angry tweets from people who genuinely follow it, and I've got everything wrong, and they're just like this. <laughs> the, the massive like angry Twitter Belfast cult fan base that follow the Cans Across the World podcast. Yeah, there's loads of them. Like, we can't, <laughs> can't move for them. Yeah, that's crazy. I think that's like every one of them. <laughs> and then and then I'll I'll join them as well, so it'll be hundred percent of the fan base. <laughs> but uh, I'm not even a fan of the podcast, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm sure, like I'm sure the listener is enraged. But, <laughs> yeah. but uh, anyway, absolute pleasure. Uh, thanks very much, and we'll back, be back again next week for another Cans Across the World podcast. Keeping it with like beer and uh, and Halloween. Um, do you know much about the whole witches uh, being responsible for beer brewing or how beer brewing basically started witches? I actually didn't know until you mentioned it the last day. Um, so I went into a bit of a research binge on it. Uh, really fascinating. Um, they started out as alewives, they were called, and it was like a domestic trade uh, dominated by women. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where it went. And I was just like really interested Uh what, what would you say in the matter? Say, the, um, <laughs> I was just saying, I was just saying, it kind of starts with the alewives thing, and then obviously, yeah. like, oh, just just all the different bits of the uh, the witch lore that effectively just came from uh, women brewing beer. Yeah. So the the big hats, the tall hats, were to show when they were walking through market that they had beers. So that was them to get attention, like an advertising, like a big billboard of you know beers here. So was, the witch's hat was, oh, that woman's brewing beer, and then they go get the beer from her. Uh, the black cat was obviously because they had cats to keep the pests away from hops. Um, the you know, they obviously would brew the beer in like a large cauldron esque thing or like a yeah. a, a, a pot. Uh, they would have brooms out. So the, the one thing is, I'm not sure how how clear this one is, but the they would keep a broom at the side of the door to show that they were selling alcohol. Yeah, so, I never understood that one because I, I I read that one and there was a link to Peru as well uh, where. In Peru, it's still tradition today for like brewers to hang like a red bouquet outside the door, and that shows you that they they've got a brew on and it's ready to drink. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's it still like goes on today in Peru, like that sort of thing. But uh, that's where they said like the witches got the oh not the witches the alewives <laughs> got the got the idea of like the broom above the door. Yeah, well, it's probably just what they had to hand, I suppose. Yeah, but then this is this kind of like um, notion. Of obviously, you bring it down like the, the the patriarchal society that didn't didn't want women to have businesses. So obviously, you you demonize a woman business owner into uh, you know a, a witch or like a, a free thinking woman. So therefore, therefore like a witch, therefore a villain. But yeah, it's just, just interesting how everything is kind of interlinked like that. So even down to um, to something as as mundane as brewing can be connected to the supernatural like witchcraft yeah like do you know the connection between the the star david but used in brewing as well no it's a- um so they apparently put the star david on the door of a brewer's house um but it wasn't obviously as middle ages so it wasn't like nazi stuff um but it was to symbolize the six most important things of brewing the parts of brewing so it's like one uh, six points. So it's one side was hops, grain, malt, yeast, water, and the brewer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Herself. Um. So it's really interesting how it was used back in the day, but apparently that would be up in the door. And like, a, like a Jew brew. Yeah. Jew brew. <laughs> Judenbrow. Yeah. <laughs> Orthodox brew. <laughs> No, yeah. That's, yeah, that is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Again, but, but this Star of David is somewhat a cult symbol as well, so it all kind of comes back, you know. Like, and of course, brewing brewing a beer is effectively making a potion. Yeah. Again, it's and then what do you call what do you call a, an alcohol beverage for the spirit? And uh, it's all coming together. Sean. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, really interesting. Like, uh, obviously, 
the church started persecuting the women because like it was a female dominated industry. Mm. Um so they tied it under the witch hunts and stuff like that there and trying to find out if they floated. Um <laughs> which is really interesting. Yeah. No, no, it is, it is. I wonder did they not also put witches in barrels? Yeah. So I wonder if that's if that's in a way related to actually if they if perhaps they do, they put them in their own kegs in a way and just chuck them over so it's uh, that'd be yeah. interesting. I mean, sure, I mean, sure, it's not a coincidence that you know that's that's how they used to to persecute them almost almost like it was like a real slap in the face then. But. Yeah, that's weird. Like, uh, but uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine like because uh, the whole idea being that if the barrel floated, you're a witch. But of course, it's gonna full. It's full of air as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the past. At least everything's normal now. Yeah, everything's hunky dory, and <laughs> Twitter is a safe space to voice your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nuance thrives, man. That's to a point. Yeah.